Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm here this morning, my co-host as usual, Aiden. As it goes, the international break couldn't have come at the worst time with Arsenal, you know, showing good vein of form and players showing good uh, momentum. But the team, like we came back with a few knocks to players and um, taking on two crucial games, one against Liverpool and against Slavia Prague. Yeah, the much-awaited English uh, classic Arsenal was Liverpool. With Arsenal going into the game, you know, without Smith Rowe and uh, Bukayo Saka, uh, you know, with the upcoming game against Slavia Prague in mind. I mean, many of the fans also felt, uh, you know, was it worth the risk, you know, dropping these two players. Uh, then, of course, on match day, uh, no Granit Xhaka either due to illness. He was replaced by uh, Danny Ceballos, while David Luiz set this one out after picking up an injury in training. So, and also, I think, immediately going under operation, which, uh, and, uh, with that surgery, I think it takes him now into project, so, you know, being out for the rest of the season, which was, I mean, not that he's like the most uh, reliable, but I think he's the most experienced and it normally brings it into these, uh, you know, big games. But yes, the game kicks off. Both sides kind of cautious. Uh, Ten minutes in, nothing really interesting happening. Uh, and then, of course, Liverpool almost like kind of size up Arsenal, noticing we were kind of sitting way deeper. And um, I think that was almost like, or uh, I think the game plan already came into play in that, you know, sizing us up like that. And I mean, the more they they start coming forward at us. For some reason, we decided to take the you know the the, the route of parking the bus early on in the game. Uh, I think you can decide like Liverpool. If you're gonna allow them to to dictate like that, you're gonna set yourself you know um, back already. And uh, the Danny Ceballos coming in with Thomas Partey, I just didn't think I felt comfortable with that um, combination, especially with uh, how how strong Liverpool's midfield has become with. Fabinho moving back into the um, heart of the midfield once again. I mean, what, what I really found, you know, frustrating in the game was uh, you had, you know, Leno trying to play the ball short. What was happening was Liverpool were like doubling up on, on him constantly, was losing the ball time after time after time. Yeah, I, I think Sebeo struggles against Liverpool. There was a when was at that time he said that he, he felt scared playing against Liverpool. Or at this, I think it was his first game he played for Arsenal or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, by the 15 minutes, for me, already as the first kind of uh, sighter taking a 30 yard, and I think just whistles over the bar. Then four minutes later, Liverpool, you know, really setting up the pace of the tempo of their passing, and Arsenal, besides now, you know, just. Uh, you know, sitting and parking the bus. We're now all of a sudden chasing shadows because we're not really getting any sort of position back, winning the ball back. They Liverpool are knocking the, the you know, the ball about. And we almost like just chasing shadows. And I'm thinking to myself, or even I think the commentators also mentioned, Arsenal couldn't even string like five passes in a row to each other without losing the ball. I also think, um, shame, poor Martin Odegaard was always trying to do a lone press because every time he was trying to press, the other front three wasn't really helping him in the situation. I and mean, by the 24th minute, there was also a shocking step of, uh, uh, like I said, only touching the ball in the first 25 minutes three times. Oh, that's, that's, that's quite hectic. I, I never knew about that stat. It just shows how Liverpool boxed Arsenal in and didn't allow us any breathing room. And I think it ends suffocating us. It's almost like 
Arteta's ways against the bigger clubs now are slowly starting to, you know, not work against the Liverpools and Man City. It's like they figured him out. Now, 32 minutes, uh, Liverpool already up to 70% position, while Arsenal were, you know, ailing at, at the 30% mark. Uh, most Arsenal ventures going forward, it really fizzled, fizzled out in the final third. With Odegaard struggling, as you said, you know, fighting a lone fight up front. With Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe all anonymous. Yeah, it's really a problem bombing at the moment on the left. For me, it's just, it's, it seems like, you know, that, that, that part of his game is slowly starting to fizzle out, almost like Ronaldo, you know, when he had to kind of adjust his game. And Aubameyang would probably have to move to the centre if you want to keep him on at the club. And I mean, what I've noticed also in the last few weeks, it's like, look, this talk of, of say, replacing Lacazette or... You know, being open to the option of of, of selling uh, Aubameyang, but I mean, when you watch the two of them when they're in the, in in sprint, and I put that in air quotes, it's like you watch the two guys that are like really laboured, and you know when you, when you when you flip the script and you now sort of hear people say like, if anybody now watched the last few games of PSG in the Champions League, or the, when you see when when say PSG counterattack, you've got Mbappe, you know, speeding down the one side, you've got Neymar or whoever. You know, bulleting down the middle of the park, and then you still have somebody outside, right? But I mean, with us, everything is so laboured, and, and I mean, when the ball does go, say to someone like Pepe, he's always uh, having an urge to cut inside to do something, which of course gets him doubled up. And I mean, I think the likes of Obama and and, and Lacazette, they get you know, uh, kind of walled in by most defenders, and I mean, even what we would say, slow defenders. Yeah, I know. I think Arsenal needs to add some more blistering patience to the attack. You need, like I always mention, a, a winger that's going to get chalk on his boots, who's going to give the, the I mean, you need to give Trent Alexander-Arnold something to think about. And I don't think we gave him something to think about. And, and that kind of, you know, uh, uh, gives Liverpool initiative in the game because they, that, that's their game. You need to kind of suffocate them by, you know, getting a winger that's going to run and run at them. But... We just yeah. don't have that in the team at the moment, and it's surely you surely miss that in the team, and it allows a team like Liverpool to dominate you and play with more freedom. Yeah, I think that's why I also had my eye, you know, if we come summertime, of maybe going for somebody like like Neto of of Wolves, where you have somebody that's gonna you know really drive at people, where you know people are. Someone like you, 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 you uh, back off him at your own risk because you know he's going to cause damage. Whether he's going to go outside you, or always going to cut inside you. Yeah, it's, uh, Arsenal just have a big problem that needs addressing, and you've seen how Liverpool have done it time in, time out at the moment. They buy from within the Premier League. They get the player who, who knows the Premier League. We've seen with Jota as well. I mean, Mane, they did the same thing. Van Dijk, they've done the same thing. Even getting a guy like Anderson, you know, back in the day, it's, they, they buy within the Premier League and the player doesn't need to eat, they eat the ground running because they're just moving to a stronger club and they can just play to their strength. They don't have to worry about, you know, a bit of weak links like if you play for the lesser club. So Arsenal can learn a lesson or two from this and, you know, hopefully we can in the summer. Yeah, then the 45th month, like, you know, a real downer for most Gooners. Kiritian ends up getting the deck after a collision with James Molner. Later on, then they found out, you know, he's got some knee damage and he had to be subbed by, the, by halftime with Cedric coming on. And I mean, for me, even though we were playing poorly the first half, 
I think it was very just the only there. It was almost like keeping a summer in the game still. So I mean, alterations could have been made now said after, but I think that kind of also through the spanner in the works. And I mean, like, come second half, instead of attacking, because I really thought you know when when Arteta and I had the opportunity to talk to them half time, um, we were going to see <clears throat> a more adventurous type of Arsenal. But I mean, we end up just sitting even deeper than we were in the first half. And I mean, the more Liverpool sense this, the drive forward intensified so much. <clears throat> you actually knew things were coming. Yeah, no, like Liverpool really came, like we would say, limped to the end of the first half. But you know, came out second half ready to go, and it's almost like Arsenal didn't have any team talk at all because oh, it 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 was, it was actually quite a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, the 48 minute Almeida came on for a very poor Savoyos. Because <clears throat> I really thought they would, you know, he'd kind of get some sort of stability in midfield. Because I mean, that's where we were, it's almost like just emerging position constantly. Then, since the first minute, Klopp then brings on Diego Jota for Andy Robertson. And I mean, right then, then when you saw that sub being made, you knew already what Klopp was not playing at because. He was sacrificing his left back to, you know, even have a, a harder pop at Arsenal. And I mean, what was it, four minutes later, Alexander uh, Arnold ends up hitting a, almost like a little money shot cross. And I mean, the ball ends up kind of misjudged by holding again a la uh, Man City when he, uh, you know, misread the flight of the ball and it dropped behind him for City to score. He does it again, and this time Jota pops up, you know, a sh- way shorter, almost like a half a head shorter than him. And you know, not in one or Liverpool. Yeah, I think you know, you know, after the time when Arsenal go one nil down, you you feel that there's there's some sort of hope in the game. And you know, TNE actually to him has been a lot of the time that lifeline in games for Arsenal, the way he gets around the back of a of the uh, opposition uh, wing back. But uh, you just felt a bit kind of miserable after that goal went yeah. in. Following it as well, Gabriel and Holding, it seems like the two of them. Do not play well as a partnership. If you, if you split them up with Louise or Marie, it seems they they with the more calmer head teams they both do a better job. But together, they just seem like they're in disarray. Yeah, and then four minutes later, almost like this is almost like a trend when we play Liverpool by now. Uh, Fabinho ends up hitting a long ball. Gabriel must judge the flight of the ball. The ball then, of course, supposed to the one you really don't want to get the ball, to, and Salah gets the ball. And I mean, he ends up almost like half sitting, uh, laying on his own, and plays the ball through his legs. 2 0 Liverpool. Yeah, that's quite an embarrassing finish the way um, the, the the way um, Salah just slotted it through the legs like that. Uh, he he lost for words sometimes with an Arsenal team. You know, one moment they um, put putting teams aside, the next they limping against the opposition. So uh, it was not a pretty sight. 2 0 down at home. After looking so strong and thinking, you know, could there be a top four push? Liverpool don't seem the best of form. And now you're 2 down against the side. But I mean, look, didn't we also have like a kind of inkling that Liverpool probably hit their real form? <laughs> I mean, they had their losses against Fulham, they had their losses against I mean, like just about everybody in the league. Come up against us and boom, they get their form again. So, you know, 74th minute, Leno ends up making the save from Salah Dink. Uh, in the 77th minute, way too late, Arteta ends up bringing on Martinelli for Aubameyang. Again, a toothless performance by the captain. And I mean, I'm really shocked. At, at, I mean, look, there weren't many uh, 
no players to really say they were standout players. But I mean, when when you look at that say his performance of our man, and then I mean the way people um this is also like for like you probably have a lot of Arsenal fans. It's a, like a big hype over Thomas Party. And I mean I I I watch him in bits and bobs and that but I didn't know. I, I thought now he's this sort of uh, like you know, like a mythical guy, you know, that, 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 that was like a hero that's gonna come save the day for us. And I watch him, he can't string passes together, he's shooting like a rugby player. <laughs> what, what what also annoys me is You've got this guy that that you know, you know. Like we, I think we also, I think the team also sometimes look at him to think like, okay, can you bail us out here? And you watch him, and it's like he gets, you know, when you have that sort of hype that that Julia Bapti said when he was at, at at Sevilla, and then he went to Madrid and all the beast thing, and then you watch him in the Premier League, and you think, what he's like a pussycat because you don't see any, you know, that that ferocious attitude that he had now in Spain and that. And I, I don't know, more and more the more I watch him, I've got that sort of feeling with, with, with Thomas Party. Uh, I don't know. I think he's just hasn't you know, had, had a good string of games together with him. I know he's been a bit frustrating at times, but I also think he, that, that that midfield partnership he has there is not uh, a stable one at the moment. I mean, you look every week, it's almost a new uh, partnership partner with him in the middle of the park. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. He hasn't you know, taking the Premier League by storm, but uh, do you think maybe he needs a bit more time to settle in, or do you think that for the price we paid for him that he should be eating the ground running immediately? What do you think that's the problem with Arsenal's players at the moment? It's like we've been spending these high fees on players and they're coming in really all the time with, you know, kind of feeble performances. Like, how many players did we see that are valued, say, less than that in the league, and they are Performing triple or four times, like you know, the sort of form that you see, do you start say by party or do you start by Aubameyang or like even when you look at it, sometimes Lacazette's control. I mean, yeah, he does all the ball, net, but when you when almost like you you put all the chips on on somebody say like Lacazette as well, then you know you almost like end up just losing your money there because you don't see anything there, and, and also with 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 Pepe. He comes on the sub, does something good, and then you think, okay, now he has to be in the in the next league squad, and then he gets up to, to start, and then you still see this like a, a flat, flat performance from him also. And uh, at the moment, you can't even blame Arteta anymore because he he's kind of he has his game plan. It, it it does work, but the players, for me, it's just not good enough. And I think actually you need to do overall and players. Some of the guys, I mean, Aubameyang just looks finished, and I've been kind of one of the people sticking up for him because he's done the business for us over the past, you know, three and a half years maybe. But I do think, or three years, but I just do think that you know, it's, I think it could be time for for changing guard. Because I mean, look, that that does lead me eventually later on in the podcast to the you know the talking points about the squad and Arteta, etc. But I mean, you know, back to the game. Seventy-eight minutes, Salah then finds Mane, who miscontrols the ball, and I mean, I think the ball when it ends up spilling out from the miscontrol, Jota ends up coming through almost like out of nowhere, and he just slams the ball past Leno, three-nil Liverpool. Game City matches, they say, three-nil against a struggling Liverpool side. Yeah, and I mean, even like, what's it, 93rd minute and 94th minute, uh, Mane ends up dragging a shot wide, and Mane also had a shot save, you know, a good save by Leno. 
So it could have been, been way worse in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, it's, you know, you, but at the end of the day, you know, as an Arsenal fan, you looked at that game and were like, you know, it's not the important one. We have better prisoners, bigger fish to fry on Thursday, which, you know, leads to the Slavia Prague game. And you're thinking, okay, you know, I'll take a loss there if we can do the prisoners, you know, at home on Thursday. So, yeah, we switch our attention then to the Arsenal-Slavia Prague game. After the shopping, shopping leave, league form, uh, most corners were looking at this to almost like bring some, some sort of pos- positivity back to the squad because, I mean, it was now lacking. Um, you know, Arteta went with the lineup: Leno, Bellerin, Holden, Gabriel, Cedric in defence. Then Party Xhaka, you know, shielding the defence. Then Saka, Slutrow and William, you know, in the mid, attacking midfield roles. And then Lacazette leading the line. Um, the game starts, and I mean, also again, really scrappy. Both teams, you know, struggling to get a few passes uh, strung together. Because I mean, it, it looked. I mean, there were points in the game as we were going on in the first five ten minutes. I mean, I was like thinking I was watching my youngest playing that at that junior league football because <laughs> everybody were like you know taking the ball on like almost like our, even our most skillful players were taking the ball on, and the ball would bobble like two or three feet away from them, and they have to give chase. And I'm thinking, like, you know, between the defeat on, on the Saturday against Liverpool, yeah, like, I mean, then probably the, the, the one day is like an off day, and then the rest of the days is preparation for the, the Europa League game. And you think to yourself, what were they doing in those, you know, three, four days? Because, I mean, uh, that Lucas, uh, I think, uh, Provet, he ends up firing over after 15 minutes. Uh, Gabriel, of course, brings this kind of back in the game with a uh, header, but which kind of just bounces over. And I mean, luckily, it drags the ball wide. And I mean, it was like, you know, up to then, we were heading to the 30 minute mark. So woeful from most of our attacking players. And you know, of course, Saka gets, uh, you know, sent free down the wing. Uh, he ends up, you know, I already thought to myself, he's going to kind of set the keeper up and then just yeah. shift the ball past. And I mean, he ends up dragging the ball, no little king to get the ball to turn back in at the far post. And he just, I mean, for me, a real bad, bad miss. I mean, yeah, look, I know he's still young and that, but, I mean, it comes to a, a point where you need to be a bit more cutthroat with the way you're doing your stuff. No, especially if you want to be a world beater, you know, a one-on-one like that in, in, in the magnitude of this game. Saka should be slotting that easily into the far corner, just, you know, caressing it in. I think you should be working on that type of finishing because, you know, if you play on the right-hand side, you're going to get chances like that. And there's actually a chance I was going to bring up. And, you know, like I said, really seemed to, to, to be struggling as well. Because Saka had, you know, got Polanco on the, the right-hand side of the of the pitch. And he was getting, you know, down the flanks and, and trying to play, like I said, in. But, you know, you were the guy furthest forward was always late in arriving to the box or nowhere to be found. Yeah, and I mean, look, come second half. Uh, you know, Saka ends up bursting through quite early uh, after the restart. He ends up getting clipped by uh, Claude Zima, a free kick given just outside of the box. Uh, William then steps up. He's a uh, free kick ends up curling and hitting the post, outside of the post. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't think that okay, is another start of <coughs> something positive. But then, uh, <coughs> just a few minutes later, Arsenal they get caught out, <coughs> excuse me, uh, with a left back, uh, Jan. Uh, uh, was it Boreal? He ends up something an effort, and I mean, it's kind of going wide. And I mean, uh, with Bellerin coming to charge the ball down, 
Het ene is waarom ze deflect in de bal, Galbert en Lena is toen in Polar te zijn, die die naaien, prachtigo. Ja, ik bedoel, Lena, je weet, een moment je afzet het hem, wat de next you have to just look at him and say thank you, because so many times if it wasn't for him, we, we wouldn't have been where we are. Like, you know, the, the manner he keeps us into the game, it's, that's unbelievable. And for me, Slavia also, you know, weren't the best, playing the best game. I mean, they, they looked like they were struggling. They looked very abject. Um, and they also were missing three regular centre-backs as well. So the fact that Arsenal didn't take the charges as yet, you know, you were getting a bit worried and just hoping that we would convert something. And I mean, for me, the lineup was very conservative as well. So, so the second one, Laka is with the breaks from the halfway line with a clear run at the uh, Slavia goal. And I was not thinking, okay, <laughs> the more he's like getting close to the box, I'm thinking, now you're going to the ice goal finish to sort us out. And then he ends up yeah. up for a curler to the top bins. And I mean, I'm thinking to myself, of all the finishes that you're going to do <laughs> as an Arsenal fan, you go for that sort of finish. And I mean, it ends up clipping the bar and then bouncing away to safety. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, it just infuriated me even more with what was already a stressful game to watch. Yeah, because, I mean, Slavia Prague have shown that, you know, there are no slouches and the chances we were getting, those chance after chance after chance. It was kind of giving me almost that Olympiacos of last season, you know, when we, we you know, weren't taking our chances and just waiting to get punished. And I think, you know, the substitutes did bring some more life into the game and it did. It, it, uh, that allowed us, you know, Pabeng was actually starting to boss a bit more. Pepe was starting to, you know, get some choke on his boots and he was outpacing the defenders. Yeah, when they came on, there was like more urgency in the game. Uh, 86 minutes, Pabeng then ends up sending Pepe through a, a goal. Pepe, of course, outsprints the last man. I think even though that last defender was kind of like hang on to him or just lean into him. But when Pepe kept his cool, what did the keeper came sliding out and just dinked the ball over one or Arsenal? Yeah, what 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 the goal, what the finish, and you're thinking to yourself, um, this could be it. You know, Arsenal, amazing opportunity now to go into the next leg. You know, one nil up, and it just shows what you can do when you add a bit of pace to the team. I mean, Martinelli, you know, mm-hmm. co- coming on for William was actually a fresh pressure. Breath of air because I mean William isn't the guy to to take on defenders with Martinelli was so that had to happen much sooner. But you know, yeah. one nil to the Arsenal and you're thinking close out the game. Thank you very much. We'll take the, the game to to to, to Prague. So at the eighth minute, Arteta ends up taking Smith Rowe off, bring on Tony Sebios. And you know the, when the sub got made, you just started seeing a more I don't know. It's sort of getting reckless, as reckless as it got in that, you know, when you and I were talking about the Tottenham game a while back, where we yes. said you you controlled the game for 80 minutes, and then all of a sudden you just start, you know, going to sort of panic stations. And I mean, <clears throat> first, uh, I think, uh, as they are doing like a high press, Prague, Cedric gets the ball, and I'm thinking to myself, just hit the ball downfield, that's all you need to do. And I mean, I, I saw now a lot of people giving, say, Gabriel now flack, with, with the game now last night. And I mean, Cedric ends up passing the ball to, to Gabriel, and there's two guys closing in on him already. And I mean, Gabriel tries to make a clearance downfield, but I mean, it gets charged down, and I think it flicks off, like, double deflection, where it ends up flicking Gabriel, and it bounces out for a corner. And then, yeah. the corner gets taken, and I mean, where I was really shocked was, just the way, this was the setup, 
I mean, as a professional outfit, and you watch that sort of defending, because the ball ends up coming over, nobody's really attacking the ball, right? I think Pepe is jumping, but uh, also to nowhere, because he, he's not really trying to attack the ball and head out. Rob Holding is standing at ball, watching as the ball drops again over. It's also more like ground off day with him again. And of course, Cedric is too slow at the back post. Misses the whole, you know, the, the, the runner coming in from the back. And then, I mean, Thomas Hollis ends up darting in and bullet hit the ball on 1 1. Oh, you could see Arteta's reaction after that goal. He was, you know, basically so pissed off. And, you know, I, I know sometimes you blame the manager and we'll get into it. But, I mean, come on, guys. Use some sort of logic there. Get the ball out the box. Don't dally dally. Just see how the result is. Literally seconds remaining. This is probably the game for Arsenal and, you know, you know, 1-1 one, one to Arsenal. And a big concern for me is, and I don't know how you feel about this, but we really been battling in the Europa League, the group stages, when you're coming up against so-called bigger sides. Yes, we've gotten through. Benfica, we scraped through. Olympia, of course, it was hot in mouth moments for us. And then you look at, as well now, against Slavia Prague. I mean, who says we'll make it through to the next round? But, you know, way too from here. I mean, it's just infuriating as what I think you mentioned a while back at the time with uh, Una Emery, where you said, look, if you have to always have to make these changes to get some sort of effect on the team, why don't you get the plan right in the first place? And it's, it's like, it's a, it's like, it's, it's like a constant cycle where just, you see this, I'm like, at times it's pure shit because for a team of Arsenal stature to see, and I mean, I know sometimes some people say, oh yeah, you're entitled or whatever as, as Arsenal fans. But I mean, if you know, if you want to be kept in high regard, the same way United goes their ups and downs, but I mean, they still try to keep some sort of standard. Uh, you, with us, it's like, these players don't play for the badge, really, because, you know, when you, when you, I think, I, I, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week or something like that, or a few weeks ago, but it's like, when you look at, say, somebody like Kevin De Bruyne or, or that Mo Salah, you're watching players that are pushing to get everything that they, <clears throat> they possibly can as possibly can as a footballer, whether it's trophies or personal awards, like, you know, top goal scorer or player of the season. With us, it's almost like who wears the fanciest clothes, the most exotic <laughs> clothing, or drives the flashy cars. And right there, for me, is already one part of the problem. I mean, it's a big problem. But I mean, that's for me the one key thing to the problem because you look at any of the other teams when the, those, those are now, say, pushing for a title, pushing in, in whichever sort of tournament, they have players that want to, you know, that are willing to roll their sleeves up as fancy. And as skillful or whatever as they are, but they wouldn't do it all the sleeves up, they fight for the team, or they fight for the honor of the club. Yeah, you don't see, you know, people making fuss, you know, about Mo Salah's car, Mane's car, you know, Aguero's car. These guys don't, you know, do these flashy type of things. And you look at Man City as well at the moment. You know, you 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 go back to the start of the season. They, they looked far cry from the Man City that, you know, people feared. They had no Sergio Aguero. I mean, he's even going to be on his way out. It just shows how Man City are very proactive in the way they do things. And, and look at Arsenal. It's like we're looking around and who's going to save us? I mean, Bobby Yang has been doing it for a few seasons, but nothing's happening from him this season. I mean, you can't depend on him to win a final for you this season. And like I said, you know, 
he's good, but when it comes to those crunch moments as well at the moment, it seems like he also just chokes up a bit. So you're looking at now um, Saka, um, bending only hopes on Saka at the moment, who, you know, he's still very young and you can see he still lacks experience in that cool head in front of goal. So, we should attention now to Sheffield United versus Arsenal. 20th versus 10th. I mean, I'm not going to go too heavy into it like I usually would. But, I mean, it's like a burning train smash for, obviously, both clubs. Because yeah, Sheffield United with four wins after, I think, uh, I forgot now, what's the total of games? I think 32 games. 30, yeah. 32? I think it's, there was 30, isn't there eight games remaining, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 30, and then, I mean, 14 points for them. And then, I mean, Arsenal... With uh, 12 defeats and a, a plus five goal difference, which is embarrassing when you look at, I'd say, what Man City, Liverpool, and them all have up in the upper levels of the table. So, you know, let's think about the numbers, the better. But I mean, what's your take on the game? You know, this type of game, we, I don't know, you can it's almost like a, I wouldn't say a true, but you just kind of formality to watch the game and get through it. Because, you know, there's no outcome. You know, whether Arsenal win, lose or draw, there's going to be no real, um, what's the word? You know, there's, yeah. if we win 4-0, we lose 3-0. You know, how is it going to impact our form in the Premier League? It's more case of just get through there, don't get any injuries and focus on Thursday, actually, against Slavia Prague with the away leg. That, for me, is the, the holy grail, actually, not the, the fixture versus, you know, Sheffield United. Just out there, you know, maybe get some momentum back somehow, you know, maybe we can get two, three goals and, and keep your heads up because Arsenal really need to practice the finishing. For me, it, it feels very much like you know, the, the the December month, the early December month, all over you know, the late November, early in December, because it's like nothing is going right for us. I mean, all of a sudden, everybody like fancies there's any chances now against us. There's no fear. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Slavia Prague, I you know, kind of maybe moving away slightly from Sheffield United since the second leg is is next week. Um, you you got to wonder now how do Arsenal pick themselves up in, in such a probably Arteta's most important game now as a as an Arsenal manager. You know, there's no excuses anymore. There's there's nothing. You know, all the players need to come out now and actually show their grit and you know learn from their mistakes. So, when I round off now, just with some talking points, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on our Tete Rain feeling? Like, I mean, my or my personal feeling is like, it's a, a bit like the end of, of Avenger and, and Emery era type of feel to it. Because, you know, when, when the players like, just don't want to do what, he, you know, the coaches wanted them to do. And I mean, look, like I said, they've been open about it, where they say some players are not, you know, following the orders or following the instructions the coaches given. And I mean, for me, right there and then already should be a big concern also for the club owners or, or the board because you can't have, you know, if somebody has a simple instruction for the team and they can't even uh, react to it or actually put it in, into process, uh, 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 it really pisses me off because, look, of course, all the flag is going to come on Arteta and I'm, I'm, I'm one way, how can I say it? I could also be like say, no, say Arteta out bandwagon, but I mean I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I mean you can't also give him the benefit of the doubt if you still have the same troublemakers, the same problems there. Because yes, we change it to the coach, and then I mean you're still gonna have the same players having the same problem. Maybe 
they have that three-month burst where they want to, you know, play the heart out for the new guy or the new coach. And then you're going to be back to square one and we're going to back, be right here. The same thing where we look at our season with 12 defeats and, and, and a plus five goal difference. And I mean, out of every, just about everything. Because I, I just think it, it's going to come to a point, and I think I told my wife as well, where we need to get, start getting players, you know, they're going to be on, you know, everybody's on board with say, what uh, Teta's project is. Because for me, it's like, Klopp or, or, or Pep or even Jose or Ole, they would not take this sort of crap from their players. Honestly, I, and I think, you know, as, a, as tough of, uh, of a shell Arteta tries to put, uh, bring out into about himself or his personality in the media, I think he allows too much also to go on because I think, with, with, especially with these players, and I think you mentioned about almost like roughly a year ago, where you said you need a coach that's going to come in almost like, you know, with a stick. Yes. And, you know, really drive the, the point out because I just think they're honestly not taking you seriously. They can't even put a simple game plan or approach because, you know, you as a coach can instruct your team to do this, that, and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, at the end of the day, you need those 11 on the pitch to sort themselves out on the pitch and win the game for you on the pitch. You know, they can't always just be, you know, glancing over to you and you telling them what to do. They need to start thinking for themselves and I think that's the sort of player we need to start getting that can do the thinking on their own, that can actually turn the game on their own. No, 100%. I think, you know, you asked me what's my take on Ateta. At the moment, you know, I, th- I think he has the right plans in place. Um, it's just the players aren't executing it. I mean, you can see the, the defensive structure at the moment of Arsenal has much better. They hold a decent defensive line. It's, it just comes down to the execution. And I think, I mean, that's why Arteta has to probably shout for 90 minutes, kind of telling each player what to do, because it just seems that they don't, further more, further than the instruction, they just don't have that initiative that, yeah. or, or, that you need as, as, as a top club to have initiative, you know, follow the game plan, but there are times you need to change it up slightly just to kind of get the upper hand in the game, or, you know, maybe don't defend too deep all the time, you know, come out a bit, but... I think, like, Arteta at the moment, there are some players that he needs to kind of weed out. I mean, you, you, you've seen Arsenal games that they've lost or thrown it. It's not because of a lack of, you know, good playing well. I mean, Burnley, for example, how much chances did we need there? Yeah. Wolves as well, how many chances do we need there? We lost to Aston Villa. Cedric passed the ball to Gabriel. It was a, you know, it, it was a silly part, hospital pass, as they call it. So you, you, you look at it and you look at the players at the team. I mean, if you give Arsenal any coach at the moment with these crop of players, we you know, probably end up with the same result. So, you know, my take on Arteta at the moment is give him till the end of the season, see where we end up. And, you know, if the season doesn't end well, um, you know, if the season doesn't start well next week, I mean, next season, then, you know, we, we kind of have to kind of look for a replacement. Who could replace him? You know, maybe bring in a guy like Brendan Rodgers, probably. But I don't know who else is on the market at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be a tough call. So, with that, we're in the podcast. We hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Take care, guys. Bye. Cheers, guys. And, you know, hopefully we can get the three points. And, you know, more importantly, overturn that away goal that Slavia Prague got against us. <laughs>